This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi guys, welcome again to another episode of When the Scriptures Become Real. Get a podcast where we learn, where we study, where we grow, and we try to become the best versions of ourselves as we can as we continue to serve our Lord. Uh, so today's podcast, um, what we're going to talk about, the topic is uh, is entitled, What to Do When God is Silent. What to do when God is silent. And, you, know, uh, you know, as I was thinking about this topic, you know, this week and kind of, uh, you know, kind of seeing where I wanted to go with it, you know, I thought about this. When you, when you think about silence, like in general, you know, silence makes us uncomfortable. Isn't that, isn't that kind of weird? You know, silence makes us uncomfortable. Now, I remember there was a there was a time where a guy came up to preach a sermon, and uh, he he got up, opened his Bible. You know, he was real quiet. You know, and then he uh, he just stood there, and he kind of just like scanned the audience like three or four times, and you know, people got real uncomfortable. So you know, people started hitting the cough. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? They started coughing. You know, they started trying to you know move their, move their Bibles, you know, getting kind of fidgety. I mean, it was only like two minutes, but I mean, people just got so uncomfortable, you know, silence makes us uncomfortable. You know, when, when, when someone is, is quiet for too long, we can't sit still. So we would rather, we'd rather kind of do something than let God work. So the question for you and I, it becomes, how can we learn to trust God when it seems like he's silent in our lives? How can we learn to trust him when it seems like he's silent? And, and what is what is really, you know, the right attitude that we should have uh, as we continue to grow? And so these are the, the type of questions that we want to answer today when we're talking about what to do when God is silent. All right. So let's get into our first thing here. So number one, when God is silent, the first thing as Christians that we shouldn't do we shouldn't assume that he doesn't care. When God is silent, we shouldn't assume that he doesn't care. So I read this before. Uh, it said that assumptions are the termites of relationships. You see, assumptions make something out of nothing. You know how a lot of times, you know, when you look at a termite, when they're kind of eating a piece of wood, they don't just eat it, you know, real quick. You know, termite, it, they take their time as they're eating, as they're eating that wood. And so that's what assumptions are like over time. You know, when, when something's not going our way over time, when we just assume something over time, if we don't, you know, do all the stuff that we need to do, then things just eat at us, right? Envy starts eating at us, right? Bitterness starts eating at us. Uh, you know, jealousy starts eating at us. And the next thing you know, then we think the worst of God. We think the worst of other people, because we've been assuming on our side. And so have you ever um, have you ever assumed something uh, about someone because they were silent? Well, I guess I guess they ain't got nothing to say, so I guess they don't care. Well, they haven't talked for a while, so I guess they don't care. But then you really find out that in the background, everything they've been doing has been for you 
And then so it makes you feel small because you've been assuming because they were silent. So when God is silent, don't assume that he doesn't care because he's silent right now. And when I mean silent for God, obviously we know because of the scripture, he doesn't speak to us today as he did with the patriarchs. He speaks through the word. But when I'm talking about in terms of God being silent today, I'm talking about it doesn't seem as if God is working for you. It doesn't seem as if things are working out. I mean, you're you're doing everything you need to do, but it feels as if he's not listening. That's what I mean by silent. So here's some things that we do when we assume. When we assume, then we rush God. Remember in Genesis chapter 16, just turn it real quick. Again, you know, if you're new to the podcast, we love to open up our Bibles here and give you guys a reference uh, to go back and check for yourselves. So remember in Genesis 15, where Sarai at the time assumed that God had made her barren. But remember all the way back in Genesis 12, God made the promise uh, that they would have a son, both of them in their old age. So now look at what Sarah does because she's tired of waiting. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children, and she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go into my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarah. And so when, when we assume, right, after a long period of time, when we assume that God doesn't care, then we rush him. So think about the time that Abram's living in. He's living in the patriarchal age. And in that age, that's when God was physically talking to man. So can you imagine in Genesis 12 when you're, I believe Abram was 75. So in Genesis 12, you, you literally hear the voice of God giving you a promise that you will have a son. And year after year after year after year after year goes by and nothing happens. And God is, according to the text, up to this point after that promise, God had been silent with him in terms of his promise to Abram. So can you imagine being Abram? And can you imagine doing all of this stuff? And then next thing you know, you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting and God is silent. So now think about how Sarah and Abram felt here. So they said, well, how come nothing's happening? So because nothing was happening, guess what they did with God? They rushed him and they rushed the process. Then you and I do the same thing too. When, when things aren't working out, you know, if you haven't, hopefully you won't. But if you if you decided to take things into your own hands, then you'll notice how wrong you really were. <laughs> right. So we rush God. Then number two, when we assume about God, then we start complaining. Right. So many times when things don't work, next thing you know, we're complaining to God why things aren't working for us. Right. We got to stop doing that with him. Then number three, when we assume about God, then ultimately what happens is then we lose faith in him because he's not acting. So look at this. Look at Luke chapter 8. And I wanted to notice this, notice this here. Uh, Luke chapter 8, and I want to look at verse number 25. So now notice what our text says here. So remember after Jesus calms the waters. And notice after they said, Master, Master, we perish in verse 24. Notice the question that Jesus asked them in verse 25. And he said unto them, where is your faith? See, many times when we see things not going the way that we want them to go, 
one of the first things that we lose is faith. I, I know it's difficult. I've been there. It's, it's, it's hard. Sometimes when we see things not happening, then we lose faith. Then we complain. Then ultimately, then we rush him. But instead of doing those things, here's, here's, here's a suggestion here. There's a book I've referenced this before, but it's entitled Those That Wait by Rosemary McKnight. Those That Wait, right? I believe it's from 21st. Oh, it's from Gospel Advocate, right? It's a great book. If you can get that, go on and grab that book. It's a really great read. But what she mentions here in those times when it feels as if God is silent, on those times when it feels like God does not care, here are three questions that we need to ask ourselves rather than rushing God, complaining to him and losing faith. So the first question is this, instead of rushing God, why don't you ask him this? How can I grow from this? It's important to understand as a Christian, there's always periods of life where you got to grow and so here, instead of rushing him and getting angry at him, why don't you turn the tables over and say, okay, how can I grow from this? How can I get better? Then number two, instead of complaining to God, then we should do this. What is God trying to teach me through this? You know, when you start to switch your mindset and stop looking at how you're being afflicted, but then start to look at what you can learn, things start to change a little bit. You're... you're your motivation and your thinking begins to change. And then number three, instead of losing the faith, then why don't you ask yourself, how can I become a better Christian from this? How can I grow? How can I learn? How can I help others? Right? Remember, we even referenced that before with Peter. Right? Jesus told Peter, look, after you're converted, after you learn, then you go help someone else. It's the same way for us. After we've been afflicted, after we've been hurt, after we've been through what we've been through, then what can we do to help somebody else get better? So the first thing for us, guys, is when, when God is silent or when it feels like he's silent, don't assume that he doesn't care. Just don't assume that he doesn't care. Try to grow through those things. All right. And then number two, here's a, here's a big one here. When God is silent, stop comparing yourselves to other people. You know, I, I read a quote that said, comparison is the thief of joy. You know, right now, all of us, we're in this, we're in this social media age where everybody, every second of the day shares everything that's going on. I mean, they share their vacations, they share their exotic food that they're eating, they're sharing their relationship statuses, they're sharing everything, right? So when you think about this, when God is, so think about your situation right now, all right? Try to make this personal with you. So you think about your situation and number one, it seems like right now God is silent for you. You've prayed to him. You've asked for help. You've asked for guidance. You've asked for strength. You're studying, you're learning, you're doing everything you need to do, but it feels like just specifically for you, God is silent and he doesn't care. Then on top of that, you living in a social media uh, era or the social media age, then on top of God being silent, then on top of that, what you're doing is you're constantly comparing your life to another Christian's life. So then you open up Facebook, you open up Instagram, you open up Twitter, you open up all these other things. You see people on vacations having a great time. And then you see people doing great things. You see people's relationships that you see all this stuff and you're like, hold up. 
Why is it working for them, but it's not working for me? See, when God makes you and I wait for anything, don't go down this very dark wormhole that you can go down by comparing your life to somebody else's. See, here's the trick that social media, it gets us all every time. See, the trick about social media is the only thing that you post and I post is good stuff. We never want people to see the struggle. We never want people to see the financial strain. We never want people to see the fights that we go through in our relationships. We never want people to see all that stuff, right? So we only post the cream of the crop. So now you scroll through Facebook and you if you got a thousand Christian friends, all you see is everybody's lives and you see how great they are. But no one's showing their struggles. No one's showing that stuff. So that's how social media tricks you. So let's let's say you're looking on Facebook and you see a great vacation pic, but you see that picture. But then guess what you don't see? You don't see their bank account of how they afforded that vacation. They could be broke when they get back home. You don't know. You see a great couple or you see a great picture. That's wonderful. That's beautiful. That's great. But guess what you don't see? You don't see the fights. You don't see the disagreements. You don't see the family situation. You don't see the the family dynamic of that. You don't you don't see that. You see the good stuff. And so then you begin to ask yourself these questions like this. Well, why does God seem to bless everyone else but not me? God, are they better than I am? God, do you believe that they're more prepared than I am? Does God favor them more than me? So you're going to go down and you see how easy it is for a Christian to go down this very dark wormhole. It's so easy to do it. So in order to protect yourself from going down this deep hole, we have to understand this one thing. You got to understand God's character. If we don't understand his character, then we'll blame him as Sarah did in Genesis 16. So here's one thing about God. Actually, here's, here's three consistents about God. God will never lie. God will always keep his promises. And God is not a respecter of persons. So remember what Peter said in Acts chapter 10 after Cornelius' conversion? Right? Remember, Cornelius was a Gentile. And so what Peter said there in Acts 10 was, I perceive of a truth that God is not a respecter of persons. So God will not bless another Christian because of their money. God will not bless another Christian because of their last name. God will not bless another Christian because of their skin color. God is not a respecter of persons as we are. So you have to understand God's character because what you can easily start doing is without you even knowing it, you can start blaming God for something that's not his fault. And we got to be careful with that when we're going through our problems and when we're going through our issues. And so remember what, what does James say about God? God gives to all men specifically about wisdom. God gives to all men liberally. So Here's, here's the problem sometimes. When we see others blessed with earthly things, like a great job, or they're blessed with a great marriage, or they're blessed with a great career, 
see, everything seems all good, right? When we see them, and I'm putting up quotations, when I see them winning in life, and I and then we see us losing. See, those that have competed, uh, naturally, you view everything as a competition, naturally. So for me, it was basketball. For others, it may be other sports. For others, it may be other things. But if you've grown up competing, you compare everything to a competition. It's just you you learn to get out of it as you grow older, but that's what happens because all you know is competition. So when you look at things as a competition, then what happens is we begin to look at each other, and I'm talking about brethren, we start competing with each other. So why does it seem as if, and again, I'm putting up quotations here, why does it seem as if this brother is winning in life and it seems like I'm losing? You see, when you physically compete for something, number one, if you give effort and you compete, most times you win. And when you win, guess what you get from winning? You always gain something from winning physically, whether that's a ring, whether it's a, a trophy, whether it's a, a ribbon whether it's, you know, accolades, you know, your name plastered somewhere, a plaque, you get something. So when you put forth effort and when you give that competitive spirit towards whatever event that is, you will always gain 100% of the time. You will gain. But in life, we can't look at life and specifically Christianity. We can't look at Christianity that way. So we can't look at Christianity as if, well, it looks like they're winning and I'm losing. You can't do that because you're going to go down a very dark hole. You can't do that. So we got to stop looking at each other as if, well, it looks like they're winning at life and it looks like I'm losing at life. So therefore, since they're winning, what does God see in them that they don't, that he doesn't see in me? See, now you, now the jealousy and the envy and all that starts to build up. So. One thing as Christians that we got to understand about God, we have to understand the growth process. All right, y'all understand what I'm saying? We got to understand the growth process. So here's the thing about the growth process in Christianity. And this is a concept that the Bible teaches, but I was also reading a book by, uh, by Tim Grover. Um, not everything in that book is, you know, the best way to do things, but in terms of mindset and winning there's some great, there's some good concepts, just like anything you got to take, you got to take the good, you know, and you got to, you know, kind of throw the bad away. But in terms of the process, he mentions in, in his book and in his interview, he said the process of growth, right. As a, as a person is non-negotiable, but he said, here's the problem. This is why so many of us don't want to grow. And remember, we're just talking about as a person. So many of us sometimes don't want to grow because the end result of our effort isn't always there. So he mentions this. He mentions you can go through the process of growing. You can give effort. You can give time. You can give energy. You can give everything that you've got to something. And someone else that wasn't as meticulous as you, someone else that didn't train as hard as you, Someone else that didn't have to give all the effort as you did. Someone else that didn't sacrifice everything that you did. They can get the reward. So 
Now let's let's roll this over to Christianity. What happens? Remember, we're talking about comparing to each other, right? So what happens if you as a Christian, you've trained since you were a child, you've grown, you've developed, you've you've listened to the word, you've grown in the word, you've done everything that uh, the word has want you to do. You've sacrificed. You're different. You didn't conform to the world. You've done everything. Not saying that you've been sinlessly perfect, but you've given your life and effort to the word and to the gospel and to God. But then someone else, another Christian, that may not have given that effort that you have, but let's say they fell away. Let's say they weren't, uh, you know, let's say they didn't grow up in a great household. Let's say whatever you want to say there. But you look at and you compare and you say, well, wait a second. Why does it seem as if things are lining up for them? But for me, that's been here this whole time. Why does it seem like it's not working out for me? So you got to understand the growth process. See, God is not a respect. God's not looking at it as, well, this Christian's more deserving of this than that Christian. Well, let me give this Christian that and let me not give that Christian that. God is not a respecter of persons. So we got to understand that about God. And we also got to understand this about the process of Christian growth. Sometimes as you grow and you do what God says, sometimes you won't get a reward. Sometimes what you'll be rewarded with is a harder life. Is that fair? Uh, It's not up to me to say that that's fair or not. In our human eyes, is that fair? No. In In our human way of thinking things, it's not. But you don't know God's plans. So that's why you can't compare your life to another Christian's. You can't do that. Well, you can. But if you if you do, you'll find yourself in this wormhole. And you got to get out of that. Even if you're there right now, you got to get out of that hole. So then this is what happens. So remember in Luke chapter 15. Remember the prodigal son, right? So you got two boys. Or two men. And one has done everything the father's wanted him to do. But the other takes his inheritance early, lives a riotous life, does everything that he wanted to do. He sowed his wild oats. But then what happened when that younger brother came back home? Who was angry? The older brother. So guess what the older brother was doing with his younger brother? He was comparing. Well, look at this. I want to read it too. Look at Luke 15. I don't want to kind of glaze over it. I want to read this. So remember in Luke 15, so after he after he comes home, so he 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 arises and he goes up to his father. And so notice this. Look at verse number uh twenty uh twenty-nine. So in verse twenty-eight, it mentions that the that the older brother was angry. So now watch what he says in verse twenty-nine. Here's the comparison verse. And he, talking about the older brother, said to his father, Look how many years, and lo, how many years do I serve thee? Neither have I transgressed at any time, yet you never gave me a kid, that I might be married with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, and devoured thy living with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. So look at what the older brother's doing here. The older brother here is comparing and I'm putting up quotations so we can understand in our con- in our in our context. He's comparing his Christian life to the younger brother's Christian life. 
Well, Father, I've stayed here and I've done your commandments. Father, I stayed here and did everything you wanted me to do. Father, I stayed here and I'm not the one that asked for my inheritance early. I didn't do that. But everything that I've done, how come you're overlooking me? So you didn't give me anything. But he comes home, someone who someone who took his inheritance early, someone who went out there and lived it up, someone else who did everything that they wanted to do. And you accept him as if he was doing everything that I'm doing. Now, I'm not sitting here, uh, you know, promoting or vouching for the older brother here. But I'm just saying in order to understand the situation, you got to see both sides. So I'm not saying the older brother was right by no means, but can you understand where he's coming from? So how many of us talking to God have been the older brother? Lord, how come it seems as if I'm doing everything you want me to do? I'm living right. I've sacrificed. I've done everything you wanted me to do. I've done, I've done your will. But why is it, it seems as if all these other people are gaining more and I'm not? Look at what the father said to him. He said, son, thou art ever with me and all that I have is thine. But it, it is meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this, thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. You see, instead of comparing, and I know as humans, we're not perfect. I understand that. And I understand the concept of sometimes you see everybody. It seems as if sometimes for some Christians, you're always the cheerleader for everybody else. So, hey, good job, man. Hey, I'm proud of you. Hey, congratulations. Hey, I'm happy for you. Hey, congratulations. Hey, I'm so you're like the cheerleader for everybody else in their life. But sometimes maybe you want someone to cheer for you. I get it. I understand. But notice, notice what our job is. Our job is when when a brother comes back, and I'm talking about with, with anyone, our job is to rejoice and be glad with them. So if someone gains something that you don't have, rejoice with them, truly. When someone, uh, you know, is, is the Lord blesses them with this, truly be glad for them. When the Lord gives someone this, truly be glad for them. But understand this, as you're doing your job, as you're congratulating, as you're being happy, as you're being thankful, as you're being proud of, as you're being whatever for everybody else, just understand that the Lord has not forgotten you. I know it's easy to, to feel that way, but just know the Lord did not forget you. And it's not like the Lord sees everybody else as better than you. Just understand that you're still going through the process. So the Lord bless so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so with things early or with things earlier than you. Rejoice and be glad with them. But understand that your time is coming. So what is your job and my job during that time when God is silent? Keep going through the process. So what, what's the process? I keep seeking first the kingdom, Matthew 6. I keep evangelizing, Matthew 28. I keep growing, 2 Peter chapter 1. I keep doing it and 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 doing it. You see why with the Christian process, you got to be relentless with it? So as you, we got to understand Colossians 3. 
growing in the Christian process is not about getting stuff at the end. So I'm not just a Christian just to get married. I'm not just a Christian just to get stuff. I'm not just a Christian just so God can bless me. I'm a Christian so I can get to heaven. So while I'm here, until the Lord gets back, whether I'm blessed with something or whether I'm not blessed with it, what is my job in the process? Grow, work, 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 work. Can it get tiring sometimes? Yeah, it can, but work, work, work. Are you going to be everybody's cheerleader at times? Yes, but keep work, work. You just got to keep going. It's tiring sometimes. Look at Joe. You think, you think he was tired? Look at Joseph. You think he was tired? Think about Christ. You think he was? So we have examples of patience. Remember in James, I believe, I believe it's chapter five. It says when you're going through, look at the patience of Job. Look at the Old Testament. So this is why we have the scriptures here to help us. So when God is silent, guys, the two biggest things that we can't do while God is silent we can't assume that he does not care. We can't assume that. And then number two, we got to stop comparing my Christian life to somebody else's Christian life. We can't do that. So we got to remember to keep going through the process, keep walking that narrow path, keep doing what God wants me to do and understand he has not forgotten, understand he sees, understand that he cares and keep working. Rejoice with them that rejoice and keep working. Just just keep going hard. Keep working. You know, there was a friend of mine. Um, and, you know, he DM'd me and we were talking for a while. And he said, man, I just he said, I, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of done with some things. And he said, I just don't know. I don't know kind of where I'm going from here. And I told him, I said, look, man, I've been there. I understand what you're I, I understand the concept of the things you're going through. But I said, look, bro, the best advice I can give you is you keep rejoicing with everybody else. And after you're done rejoicing, you, you go to work. So whether you get praise, whether you, you go to work, bro, work, go to work, get better, be a better Christian, grow up as a man, learn to invest your money, learn to do all these things, grow with people, serve people, serve God. You just, you just keep going. Don't let anybody stop that process. Now, if someone comes along and can help you along with that process. Okay, cool. But if not, you keep going, man, you keep going. And so with this process of growing with God, we have to understand that he still sees that he's still there. And that if we do Matthew six, if we do all these verses that we mentioned today, the Lord's going to take care of us. The Lord's going to take care of us. And so what to do when God is silent Right. It's a it's a great uh, it's a great topic. It's a really great topic and it's a great study. And I hope you guys go back and look at these verses again. But as we talk about this, understand that the point where you are in life, understand that the Lord is walking right there with you. And so if you if you continue to walk there with him, he'll get you to where he needs you to be. But just trust him and grow with him and he'll he'll get you there. He always has and he always will. All right. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. It was such a great study. Um, I love studying this stuff with you guys. And um, I'm so grateful for the opportunity that we have to continue to grow this podcast and continue to help you guys. And you guys have helped me. And I'm just so thankful uh, that we can continue to help one another. So we will be back, Lord willing, next week with another podcast. 
coming up, there's going to be actually a special one. I'm, I'm going to bring my materials. I'm going to give like a like a little camp vlog. So be looking out for that on the YouTube page and on my Facebook page. So we'll kind of have a, a camp podcast. And then we'll also have like a camp vlog where you'll see, you know, other Christians and you'll, you'll see kind of us interacting with each other. So that should be pretty cool, too. So look forward to that. Thank you guys so much. And we will see you next week.